AM 1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's time to hit the field with Extra Point featuring Kayla Mortolaro and Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060. Tweet the show at KDUS AM 1060 or give us a call at 602-260-1060. The snap is back. The hold is down. You can't miss with this combination. And the extra point is good. Welcome in to Extra Point right here on KDUS AM 1060. As always, follow along with us online at KDUS1060.com and with the KDUS 1060 app. It is Thursday. It is February 8th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. The golf is underway at TPC of Scottsdale. The players look very chilled out there with their hoodies and their beanies <laughs> and things of that sort, but the golf is underway, so we'll have an update a little bit later on in the show. We also have NBA trade deadline. I have figured out the correct time zone today, and the deadline is set for 1 p.m. local time, so plenty of trades have been circling in this morning that we'll dissect. We'll uh, also discuss a little bit about what uh, the Phoenix Suns have potentially on the horizon for them. And then, of course, we'll also um, be talking about things for the Super Bowl with Super Bowl 58 set to get started here on Sunday. A.J. Perez, front office sports, is also set to join us around 1215. So that leaves phone call time for you when we want to hear from you today, 1130-602-260-1060. But let's set the scene here with today's poll questions, and we'll start with the KDOS1060.com poll question. It's been up since Monday, oscillating back. Back and forth right now, Kansas City plus two sitting at 52% of the vote. San Francisco minus two at 48%. Yeah, it's good going, going back and forth, especially for us in the last 24 hours or so. So, uh, you know, two-way action, I guess, in a way for us. Uh, yeah, but this was as high as 63% earlier in the week uh, with uh, on the Kansas City side of things. So it's changed. I think the biggest news, uh, without a doubt, yesterday is that Willie Gay, uh, who did not play in really the last two games uh, for the Chiefs, he was injured very early in the Bills game and they did not play at all against the Ravens. He wasn't even listed on the injury report yesterday uh, after their practice in in, uh, in Las Vegas, and he's a, apparently a full go for Sunday, and uh, that that's a big plus for, for the Chiefs. Absolutely. And Bob caught up with Matt Derrick, Chiefs Digest for all things Chiefs. And if you missed that interview, podcast it over at KDOS1060.com and with the KDOS1060 app. Tossing it on over to X at KDOSAM1060. Should the Suns be interested in trading for the Hornets' Miles Bridges? Uh, right now we're in a 50-50 split between yes and no. Yeah, and Bridges entering his fifth season. I don't think anybody's arguing his on-court production, 21.3 points per game this year, which is actually the best of his NBA career so far. Obviously, he's had some off-the-court issues, uh, including uh, you know, a domestic, uh, domestic violence incident uh, involving the mother of his children that a couple of years ago resulted in the NBA uh, suspending him for 30 games. I will point this out that uh, Adrian Wojnarowski, uh, I don't know at what point in time reporting it, but Miles Bridges uh, telling the Hornets that he will not approve a trade. So there is at least that coming out of his camp uh, this morning. He has a no trade clause? 
Really? I don't know if there's a no trade clause, but it just says that he won't he won't accept a trade. Well, if he doesn't have a no trade clause, he has to accept a trade or he's out of the league. I mean, if if he gets it's traded and refuses to play for the team, uh, you know, he's he's screwed. So, you know, I don't think he has that power. Uh, we will answer that question today officially around uh, 12.30 today. Uh, let's get into it here with what's been transpiring here this morning. We'll start with the Suns. They're back on the court tonight hosting the Jazz. And it's always interesting when games are played on NBA trade deadline day because uh, a lot of the rosters are very different. Players haven't made their way to their new teams yet. Players aren't a part of the teams that they were anymore. So we'll see who's on the court for both of these squads tonight at 7 o'clock on 3TV because you have the news from earlier uh, that the Jazz moved on from Kelly Olynyk. And uh, that was something that we had discussed could potentially happen yesterday. So the Jazz finalizing a trade with Kelly Olynyk and Oche uh, Ajabi to the Raptors for Kira Lewis, Otto Porter Jr., and a 2024 first-round pick. I like the Otto Porter thing here. Um, I mean, I like him as a player. Unfortunately, he's been injured in parts of his career. Actually, he was injured somebody was even at Georgetown back in the day. Uh, but healthy, uh, he's been a productive player at times in the NBA, so that can help. Uh, I had a colleague of mine when I was living in Las Vegas and uh, in the handicapping business uh, who had he loved to bet on this day because he had an uncanny knack of figuring out which teams – were upset at their organizations for the players that they traded that day or might be thrilled with that the additions they made. I think that's actually the easier part. Uh, but uh, he had a, he had he was amazing of how he could you know read the the vibes of how a team might feel and mainly we go against teams that he thought was that would be angry, the players that would be angry. And they wouldn't show up for the you know, the immediate reaction was, you know, our team just quit on us. We're not playing for them, in essence. Not literally quit, but you get the gist. Less than enthused to play that night after they lost some of their teammates and maybe some of their best friends. Well, you had also mentioned it, too. Because we were discussing like what the Jazz uh, are thinking, what their thought process is. Obviously, moving on from two of their key cornerstone pieces, receiving all these picks in return, the quote-unquote rebuild was on. But when you look at where they're at in the standings, they're kind of in an interesting position that they can still make a push to make the playoffs this year. So it seems like uh, maybe trying to get a guy like Otto Porter Jr. Uh, suggests that they're interested in trying to make a little bit of a push. Yeah, you always had, and they got the Danny Ainge factor here. I mean, it's much different for him in Utah than it was in uh, Boston. He had a lot more resources, and obviously they were chasing a championship when he was in Boston. But he was a wheeler dealer back in those days. So I don't think it's surprising to anybody that Danny Ainge would be involved in. Yes, you know, he's. You know, I don't know if his official title is a general manager, or whatever. But you know, he's a big part of their uh you know wheelings and dealings here and it's not a big surprise that uh, the jazz or jazz are involved in some player moves also yesterday this move from the jazz they already traded simone Fontio uh for kevin knox rights to gabriel peruta and a 2024 second round pick so the jazz are moving as you say uh wheeling and dealing early here i have no idea how to analyze that group <laughs> not a clue 
Uh, then we also have for other trades that took place, the Celtics picking up Grizzlies forward center Xavier Tillman uh, and for two second round picks and Lamar Stevens. Tillman's offensive numbers have been a bit of a struggle this season, averaging just six points, 4.6 rebounds, 40.8% from the floor, but he averages 1.2 steals and one blocks per game in 20 minutes of play. So he certainly adds some defensive depth there to the Celtics. And he's really a good rebounder. Uh, so I think that's a big-time addition for the Celtics. We mentioned yesterday that the, it was uh, expected that they were going to try to help their bench, and uh, you know, he definitely helps their bench. And he, he might be their third center and so forth, but he almost might be some kind of insurance because it's not like Porzingis has been a model of health during his career. Uh, then you also have the Timberwolves yesterday trading Shake Milton, Troy Brown Jr. in a 20-30 second round pick to the Pistons for guard Monte Morris. The Timberwolves, this is interesting about them. Uh, they score 117.2 points per 100 possessions when Anthony Edwards is on the floor. When he leaves the court, it drops to 105.3 points per 100 possessions. So uh, trying to bring in Monte Morris, who is going to need to be healthy here for the stretch run, uh, to be that backup ball handler that they need. He's really good player. Uh, yeah, he had some time in Denver in the early part of his career. Uh, was an excellent college player and distributor to Iowa State on a team that scored a whole lot of points uh, in his collegiate days. And I would be really surprised because it sure doesn't seem like there's going to be any really big-time players move today. I would be really surprised, and considering how obviously how good the Wolves are, I would be surprised if there's a more impactful move, assuming Morris is healthy and can play, and that's been kind of an issue this year, than him going to Minnesota. This is a monumental addition for them if he's healthy and can, can produce and, and play uh, you know, you know, once we get to the postseason. So trying to follow along with some of the Fast and Furious uh, trades from this morning, we have the Indiana Pacers trading Buddy Heald to the 76ers for Marcus Morris, Furkan Kormaz, and three second-round picks. Uh, Buddy Heald was part of conversations, rumors that were had before the deadline here, and the 76ers trying to get uh, a shooter. So this, uh, those two have been linked. He's a shooter. Whether he makes them or not is sometimes questionable. And the shot selection has always been questionable going all the way back to his Oklahoma days. Uh, seems like I might have something against Oklahoma players because it seems like they all have a horrendous shot selection situation. And maybe they just let them launch shots. Uh, but uh, whatever. Um, I don't think there's – I think the Sixers are a lost cause for this year, quite frankly. Uh, because Embiid's going to be out for at least four more weeks, and uh, at least, and he's going to be evaluated then. I would be shocked if he played at that point. And as we've mentioned for years, and then as recently as yesterday, uh, he has rarely made it through an entire postseason healthy without taking a game or two off because of his ailments. Now, when we were discussing potential moves and what is needed, you talked about the Oklahoma City Thunder, and you thought it was wise for them to bring in a veteran presence here toward the end of the season. The move that has apparently been made for the Thunder, finalizing a trade to send guard Trey Mann and forward Davis Bertans to the Hornets for Gordon Hayward. Is Gordon Hayward the type of veteran that you think can help this uh, young and good Oklahoma City team? 
he can help. I don't know how good a player he is right now. I haven't watched much of him this year because I haven't watched much of Charlotte, needless to say. But uh, uh, before, you know, I felt he's had some horrible injuries. In fact, he signed the big contract with Boston and literally got hurt in the very first game that he played for the Celtics that year and missed considerable time. He's not as good a player as he was back in those days. Uh, but, you know, definitely the fact that they got a veteran guy, um, I would have hoped that they could get somebody I'd be more uh, more uh, confident would be an impactful player than Hayward. But uh, this is, you know, certainly, uh, you know, they're like the youngest team in the NBA, uh, you know, whether they're contending teams or not. And uh, so that it increases the age number, the uh the uh, the birth certificate number of their uh, average player and et cetera and whatever. But, yeah, I, I would be stunned if there was really anything today that really makes a difference once we get to the postseason, quite frankly. Of the team, the, the names we've heard in the last 24 hours, it's just you know, not much to me. I just don't see any impact players being moved unless something really, really surprising and something that has not been mentioned with any frequency actually gets traded well i mean last year obviously the big impact player that shocked everyone was kevin durant being traded here to phoenix but i think too uh you're looking at some of those teams don't want to move on from their core pieces and in addition to that some of the teams that are in position with their core pieces don't have the necessary draft capital to bring in quote-unquote, impact players. So uh, in a lot of stories that have been reading, the term fringe players has been used a lot, uh, that that's what we're going to be seeing in this NBA trade deadline. Well, the biggest problem here is there's a whole there's far more sellers than buyers, and there's just not very many good teams on the sellers, or they would be not, they would be much better teams and wouldn't be looking to, you know, basically make trades. So it's just uh, in the, the market is very unbalanced. One more on the 76ers. They're trading uh, uh, Daniel House and a 2024 second-round pick uh, via the Knicks to the Pistons. According to Wojnowski here, this gives them some salary cap cushion in order to be available for buyout players post the deadline as they are potentially targeting uh, Charlotte's Kyle Lowry uh, in a contract buyout. So I know you already mentioned, though, that you think the 76ers are are likely in peril right now uh, waiting for Joel Embiid. And definitely, I don't think Lowry is a contributing player anymore. Um, he has really you know, dipped significantly even last year in the playoffs with the Heat. They made a nice run, and he had a couple of games here and there. But his impact of being a really good player are long gone, in my opinion. By the way, the Suns are ineligible to get a player in the buyout market. They, they are not allowed to do so because of their, their salary situation. We'll have more uh, from the NBA trades from this morning on the other side of the break. We'll get through that. We'll dive into college hoops as well. And, of course, we have A.J. Perez from Front Office Sports set to join us around 12 to 15. Get his perspective on how things are going in Las Vegas for Super Bowl 58 week. Uh, His takeaways from Roger Goodell meeting the media, where we're going with all the streaming services and devices and things of that nature. So we'll dive into the media side of things with A.J. Perez around 12.15 today. But it is the Extra Point on this Thursday, February 8th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you.
Hey, Phoenix, Doug Gottlieb here. I'm bringing the best sports talk weekdays to you, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on KDUS AM 1060. Eleven twenty-three here on KDUS AM ten sixty. It is Thursday. It is February eighth. Bob Kim, Kayla Mortolaro here with you up until one o'clock today. NBA trade deadline day taking place one p.m. local time. Looks like the Phoenix Suns have gotten involved in the trade market today. This is according to Sham Sharania from uh, the Athletic and Stadium. Here, just going to read his three tweets. Memphis is sending David Roddy to the Suns for a pick swap as part of a three-way with Phoenix and Brooklyn. Suns pick up O'Neal and Roddy for their postseason rotation. Suns retain assets after this three-team deal for O'Neal and Roddy, including a second rounder and pick swaps. Phoenix now has two roster spots open to pursue additions on the buyout market. I'm on the uh, definitely. I think Darius Neal is a nice add here. Uh, he's a good defender in the perimeter. Uh, they need something, somebody that can defend somewhere on the floor, and uh, he would be. Uh, I think he almost instantly becomes their best defensive player almost by default. Uh, so there's that. I also seem to remember when he was in Utah, he had some issues with Booker. So in fact, I'm positive that that happened. So but I, he's your teammate. And uh, everything's cool, I guess. But, uh, you know, he's a very physical player. And I seem to remember at least one time that there was uh, not a fight or anything like that, but they uh, had a disagreement. Let's put it that way. Yeah, so it's interesting here that I guess this kind of comes full circle. So uh, the Suns had been linked to Royce O'Neal. I remember at the very beginning of kind of the start of these trade rumors uh then it kind of shifted to the miles bridges thing now obviously this trade getting done uh and bringing o'neill here to phoenix to help uh with that defensive uh portion of what the suns are missing right now the other thing i think that's important is that they think that they have identified royce o'neill as somebody who's obviously going to be cracking cracking the lineup because they're not going to make a trade uh, for somebody that's not going to be impactful and helpful in the postseason. So they think he's uh, obviously going to be getting plenty of rotation minutes. Yeah, he's not going to make many shots, but I mean, he's, you know, anybody's better than Josh Okogi at the offensive end. And, uh, you know, I would assume that Okogi's playing time just almost vanishes at this point, which is a good thing. Some more trades to get into. Uh, this from Adrian Wojnarowski. The full trade here, including the Knicks and the Pistons. So the Knicks are getting Bojan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks. The Pistons are getting Quinton Grimes, Malachi Flynn, Evan Fournier, Ryan Archie. Uh, yeah, you know him from from Villanova. And two Archie Diakono. There he we was a go. tremendous college player. He's a he's a horrible NBA player. I he, mean, he's just he. He's like the last guy on the bench. He set a record for, I think, playing in uh, so many games without scoring a point. I'm shocked that he's not at least a rotation player. I mean, he's like, I mean, I don't even know if he, did he even play for the Pistons? That would be like as bad as it gets, right? If you can't play for the Pistons. Yeah, and also a part of that two second round picks. But for the Knicks here, getting Bojan Bogdanovich and Alec Burks and obviously where the Knicks are uh, in the standings over in the East. Yeah, none of this matters if Jalen Brunson's injury from the other night is bad. Uh, and I haven't heard a word about that since he went down uh, Tuesday night? Tuesday night, I believe it was. 
Uh, yeah. Well, you know, they have the the all-star break coming up here soon, so time to get uh, to get healthy and back. Yeah. That's too bad because I actually think the Knicks are a pretty interesting team. And uh, it's good for basketball, good for the NBA, good for the television networks, good for everybody if the Knicks are good. And uh, it's uh, even people that aren't that big in the NBA fan, if they're just a fringe NBA fan, watching games in the playoffs from New York City is always inspiring because those people get pretty fired up. Now, the uh, Dallas Mavericks were able to find a way to move on from Grant Williams. Uh, Charlotte is trading P.J. Washington to Dallas for a package around Grant Williams, Seth Curry, and a first-round pick. The According to Sham Sharania here, Charlotte is receiving the 2027 first-rounder from Dallas, top two protected. Uh, almost anybody, in my opinion, would be an upgrade from Grant Williams, but I do like P.J. Washington. He gives them certainly more length, more rebounding, more defense, and uh, those things are all needed in Big D because there is no D in Big D. And the other person that we had talked about uh, throughout the week with Dallas and if they were able to find a way to move on from him with Rashawn Holmes, uh, looks like the Wizards are sending Daniel Gafford to the Mavericks for Rashawn Holmes and draft compensation. It's certainly interesting, the, the teams that are absolutely involved in these trades, the Wizards coming to mind, uh, the Hornets coming to mind, the Pistons coming to mind as actively involved in offloading their pieces. Yeah, but they don't have very many. The only the only guy that, uh, other than Hayward, who apparently is a much better player than I was saying in the last hour, the ESPN crew here on Countdown or whatever they call that show, uh, they're on for four hours right now. Uh, they're in their four-hour draft cover, uh, trade coverage. Uh, they are very enthused about Hayward going to Oklahoma City. I listened to that during the last uh, break of our of our show. There's that. I, the, other than Kyle Kuzma, any of these teams that are at the bottom of the barrel, I uh, can't imagine there'd be any kind of impact player on the move. And uh, they supposedly won two first-round picks for Kyle Kuzma, and that ain't ever happening. Uh, speaking of the Wizards, we'll have to continue to monitor to see if uh, Tyus Jones is on the move. And then if anything materializes here with uh, DeJounte Murray with the Hawks, D'Angelo Russell with the Lakers, if anything happens with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, Steve Kerr yesterday was saying that he feels confident with this group to uh, you know, make a push to have something special here toward the end. But we'll see uh, as the trade deadline is looming here at 1 o'clock local time. Well, the Russell thing got thrown a big curve in the last 24 hours because he got hurt. Uh, and the Lakers are sending mixed signals as to how actually badly he is hurt. Uh, yeah, Darvin Ham seemed to indicate that he was going to be out for a while. And then the team immediately put out a statement that he's day-to-day for the next game. Because I'm sure they would like to trade him and don't want to de- damage and lessen his trade value. Uh, but the fact that there's some question about you know how badly Russell got hurt the other day uh, certainly is uh, playing a role here. I would think I, I you know, I'm not to throw my personal thoughts about Russell out the window here. Uh, and he's actually had probably his best moments as a Laker like in the last month. Uh, he's made most of the really bad shots that he takes on a frequent basis. 
Uh, to recap here, to start the segment, Sham Sharenia reporting that the Suns will be getting uh, Royce O'Neal, part of a whole bunch of uh, three-way trades, pick swaps, etc. But he's the, the main person coming back to Phoenix uh, trying to help this Phoenix team uh, achieve their aspirations. He's not going to make a difference to them becoming a you know, sixth place team and they you know, win the Western Conference, but at least he's somebody that has a history of defending. And other than Kevin Durant, I don't know anybody on their roster that has a history of defending except for Josh Kogi, who can't ever seemingly make a shot. College hoops. We'll dive into it on the other side of the break. In addition to that, if you'd like to chime in about the NBA trade deadline, anything that's caught your attention in terms of Super Bowl 58, 602-260-1060. We'll take your calls on the other side of the break. It is the Extra Point right here on KDOS AM 1060. Catch the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays from 1 to 3 p.m. right here on KDUS AM 1060 and online at KDUS1060.com. Eleven thirty-five here on this Thursday, February 8th. Bob Kemp, Kim Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today. 602-260-1060 is the number. One other thing I wanted to point out about this trade uh, that the Suns have made, according to Sham Sharania, with Memphis sending David Roddy to the Suns, the Suns getting Royce O'Neal from the Nets, uh, is that their combined salaries are going to mean that there's going to need to be uh, probably some vet minimum contracts attached to that. So we'll have to see who else is on their way out in order for all of this to to work and keeping in mind that Nasir Little's name had been closely linked to a lot of different reports. So we'll see if he's involved or not. Uh, haven't seen anything updated here from Shams uh, on what the Suns situation is in regards to uh, who will not be on the team moving forward to make room for all of this. Maybe a Kogi. I guess we'll, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. And uh, see. it's interesting, right? Because didn't Akogi start the year like as a starter? And, you know, he had to play some starter minutes last year, et cetera. And now, uh, you know, getting his rotation minutes cut, even because the, the lineups have been changed so much in the last couple of games for Frank Vogel, putting a lot more emphasis on uh, a big lineup, having Bull Bull get plenty of minutes here recently. And that dipped into Akogi's opportunity opportunities even though i realize yeah i'm sorry a kogi can't play i mean i've been saying this for two years i mean he, you know defensively he makes some plays but i think part of that is because they have so few other guys that make plays he looks like the greatest defender of all time uh he's a not a good shooter obviously um they don't can't run plays for him he takes some bad shots uh so i think he's seemingly a nice guy uh, and has some athletic ability, but he should not be. I said this while they were getting run out of the playoffs last year when he had to play some games and play some minutes. He should not be playing any meaningful minutes on a good team, ever. 
602-260-1060 is the number if you'd like to chime in. Uh, let's shift away from the NBA trade deadline. We'll obviously be keeping an eye on that as things continue to filter through. Uh, but we'll stick on the hardwood with college hoops locally. ASU men's basketball is at Colorado tonight, 6 p.m. on FS1. For ASU, the question here is, can they rally and stop the slide for the last nine games left to go in Pac-12 play? For Colorado, who is seemingly a bubble team right now at 15-7, and seven, uh, they lost on the road against the U of A, Colorado State, Utah, WSU. Their win over Miami in December isn't looking as great as it did back in December. Can they finish strong to solidify a spot into the tournament? Well, the whole thing about Colorado is can they ever get their team healthy, which has rarely happened this year. Uh, Colorado and Utah, I would be very surprised if ASU won a game this weekend. They are a combined Colorado and Utah 24-0 and at home this season. 24-0, and those two teams at home. I don't think the U of A is going to win either game this weekend either if uh, Colorado has their guys a, you know, specifically Williams, who's a Valley product, who's uh, considered to be a first-round lottery pick, uh, according to some of the mock drafters out there. He has rarely played this season, did not play last weekend. There was some kind of mystery what was going on. Three of the top seven Colorado players did not even make the trip to Utah for the game last Saturday night in Salt Lake City. Uh, but if, they're out, if they ever have their dudes out there, I actually think they have the most talented team in the Pac-12. But they have rarely had their guys out there. That contest will be today, 6 p.m. on FS1. You already touched on it with the U of A taking place uh, in Utah tonight at 6 p.m. on the Pac-12 network. So can the U of A start to hit its stride, nine games left to go, and, and start to formulate who they are, that identity, get some defense there as well to make an NCAA tournament run. On the flip side of this for Utah, they're currently sitting in a lot of different mock bracketologies as number eight seed, uh, but they have a perfect 12-0 record at home with seven losses on the road. So this is a big game for both of these teams uh, tonight. Uh, definitely. I, I'm not buying. I'm, there's not going to be, I don't think, anything that can happen to the U of A the rest of the season is going to make me believe that they're a team that goes deep into the NCAA tournament. Uh, they don't guard well. Uh, they turn the ball over high frequency. They score a lot of points and go up and down the floor. Uh, there are, I watch four or five teams every night in college basketball and think to myself, that if they play the U of A, they're going to beat them in the NCAA tournament. And I'm not talking about, like, the top five teams. Uh, you know, I would be really surprised if the, if the U of A actually made it to the third round of the NCAA tournament. I would be, surprised, I would be really surprised if they got to the Sweet 16, basically. Uh, as far as Utah's concerned, uh, they're, you know, as I mentioned, uh, you know, they're 12-0 at home. And uh, as is Colorado this season, they're both 12-0 at home. And uh, Utah, the, they're great at home. They have not won a Pac-12 road game. Zero. Uh, and uh, Utah will be a team I'm looking to play against in the NCAA tournament in the first round. Uh, and uh, you know, the, 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 there's actually, they're not playing, uh, there is, they're, they're not playing in Salt Lake City in the first round, the uh, first two games of the NCAA tournament. There is a Salt Lake City site at which we'll have first and second round games, but Utah is not allowed to play in those games. 
Uh, we'll interrupt college hoops for just a minute. Another trade coming in, according to Adrian Orjnowski. The 76ers are trading Patrick Beverly to the Bucks. The Bucks will be sending campaign and a 2027 second rounder Ooh. to the 76ers. Well, it's immediately an upgrade for the Bucks because they get campaign out of there, uh, who obviously I was not a big fan of. After the bubble games, you know, when the campaign's best time for the Suns was when he – you know, kind of, you know, you know, splashed into the, you know, when they were in the bubble. Uh, remember, he wasn't even on their roster uh, when, uh, you know, the COVID ended the regular season in, in, in 2020. And, you know, he had a history with Monty Williams in Oklahoma City. So they signed him during the time before, between the end of the regular season and the uh, start of the bubble and, uh, and uh, you know, the, the, the playoff situation or the bubble before the playoffs and so forth. That's when they signed. Those were actually his best moments as a son. I know some of the local fans thought he was great because he made some shots once in a while. He's a point guard who cannot pass the basketball. And while Patrick Beverly is a uh, polarizing figure, needless to say, it's why he's on a different team every 20 minutes. Uh, and obviously he's had you know problems with Devin Booker and broke his face a couple of years ago in the playoffs, in fact. Uh, but uh, Devin... Patrick Beverly seems to be, quite frankly, exactly what the Bucks need. They need somebody that will at least try to play some defense. And uh, Doc Rivers was a hard-nosed defender, and I'm sure that he likes Patrick Beverly, who, if I'm not mistaken, coached for or coached. He already coached him when they were at the Clippers together. Back to college hoops and back to the Pac-12 here. So ASU is taking on Colorado 6 p.m. on FS1. U of A in Utah taking on Utah 6 p.m. on the Pac-12 network. But uh, staying in the Pac-12 here, WSU has suddenly made some noise as they've won six games in their last seven, and they're kind of sitting now on this edge of making the tournament in a lot of different people's uh, mock bracketologies here. They have a road trip this weekend against Oregon State and Oregon. Yeah, I know I had a conversation with lunch uh, lunch with a friend of mine, and we were you know, talking about the NCAA tournament, and Washington State came up, and he mentioned that they were in some uh, you know, mock, uh, I guess, Lenardi. He's like a, they're like a 10-seat or something now. Uh, the fa- If they make the NCAA tournament, unless they just drastically improve, uh, this is a... Maybe the one of the top exhibits as to why there's just way too many teams in the NCAA tournament, because Washington State does not, you know, based on past years, is not even a fringe NCAA tournament team. But this is a a year where I actually think that there's like 20 teams that are pretty good in college basketball, and there's maybe another 25 that are okay, and everybody else is pretty mediocre or worse. And unfortunately, I think Washington State is one of those. They've got some good individual players. I've watched them play at least a half dozen times. I'm guessing probably closer to 10. Some games, sometimes during games, I think this team's got a chance to be really good. And then during the next four-minute block before the next TV timeout, you think that they're one of the worst teams you've ever seen. In the same game, frequently. Now, I want to ask about Oregon here, the team that WSU will be playing uh, in this road trip here. They've lost four of their last six. Um, where do the Ducks stand here? Do they have enough ability to improve defensively here to get themselves off of the bubble? I don't know who's playing for the Ducks. 
uh, from game to game. I mean, uh, they actually got their guys healthy for a whole two games. And uh, that lasted a whole two games. That was a couple weeks ago. The last time they were healthy it was when they got run out of their own building by the U of A. They were healthy for that game. They were not healthy last week when they played the Southern California schools. I have no idea what their status is tonight. Over in the ACC, locks to get in are going to be UNC and Duke here. Clemson, though, they beat UNC earlier this week, which uh, this is quite a statistic. It was just the second time in 62 games played that Clemson beat UNC. With the win, though, uh, if they're able to take care of business against Syracuse, Miami, NC State, they could all of a sudden improve themselves to an eight seed or better in the tournament. They're going to be in. They're an interesting team. I don't know what the, they're. They're one of many teams that I'm look. I'm pretty confused about. Uh, early in the season, when I watched them in December, and also uh, in uh, you know, mainly December, I didn't watch many games in November. Uh, but I thought they were pretty good. and they, They've lost a couple of games to teams that they should never come close to losing to. Uh, so they've got some talent up front. Uh, you know, sometimes I actually think they're a pretty good defensive team. And then other teams, other nights, and uh, you know, they have some foul issues. And uh, so they're a confusing team. They're a team that I would be, if I, if, if I were a, you know, a high seed at the NCAA tournament, uh, Clemson's a team I would prefer not to play because they're capable of beating good teams. They're also capable of losing to bad teams, unfortunately. Now, should we be paying attention, watching out for Virginia as they've won seven in a row yeah. now? I think so. Um, but it's hard to tell because, you know, we'll, we'll find they play Duke and Carolina here maybe this weekend or soon. Uh, so those are, I think, the two. Uh, teams in the ACC where you can get a you know kind of somewhat kind of some kind of barometer of you know where the other teams fit and uh, they haven't played Carolina or Duke and uh, uh, any of the I don't think they've played either of those teams during their seven game winning streak uh, so we'll see what's going on with that but Tony Bunn's teams usually get better I watched them play some early in the season and they looked atrocious and it just looked like they had no chance of recovering but uh, they certainly put it together here lately. They held Miami, which is a good offensive team usually, and one of the worst defensive teams in college basketball, by the way, Miami. Uh, But they held Miami to 38 points on Monday night. 38 in a 40-minute game. Uh, To answer your question, Virginia hosts UNC February 24th, and then they are at Duke on March 2nd. Okay, but I don't think they've played them in either either of those teams in the seven-game winning streak, however, right? No, that is also correct. Okay, so uh, we'll see how that goes. And, you know, unfortunately, with the, you know, the, the expansion of conferences, we don't get a true round robin anymore in, uh, in conference play and or anything close to it in some cases. And even the Big 12, they don't do that anymore, which was great in the past because you got to play everybody home and away. And usually, you know, that's the way the schedule worked out great. Uh, you, you you kind of could figure well you they played them early and they played them late have this has this team improved uh, so it's I think that's that's made things even more difficult for me to figure out if teams are getting better during the season which is one of my favorite things to try to you know, assess uh, because there's just no true round robin anymore. One more on the ACC. Many brackets have Wake Forest right now as one of the first four out. 
Well, I wouldn't want a part of them either. I mean, if I'm if I'm one of the top ranked teams, and I would not want to see Wake Forest because they are an excellent offensive team. Now they don't guard very well, and they have no depth. But their first five guys. There are a few teams in college basketball that have five guys that can score more than Wake Forest is uh, their starting five. I mean, they're really good. But you know, if they get anybody in foul trouble, uh, you know, they're they're basically they're in big trouble at that point. But they're a very dangerous team because they can put the ball in the basket. We'll get into more college hoops on the other side of the break, and we'll continue to break in with anything else. Uh, that is taking place according to the NBA trade deadline, which is 1 o'clock local time. We'll also have some updates, what's going on with the WM Phoenix Open. Uh, And then we'll make room for A.J. Perez today around 12.15 from Front Office Sports. It's all happening here in the Extra Point on this Thursday, February 8th. Bob Kemp, Kayla Mortolaro here with you. And as always, follow along with us online at kdos1060.com and with the KDOS 1060 app. Much more as we wrap up our number one next. Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060. Wrapping up our number one of Extra Point on this Thursday, February 8th. Bob Kemp, Caleb Mortolaro here with you up until 1 o'clock today, as we typically do, Mondays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. We'll take a momentary pause from going through college hoops as well as updating uh, everything that we've seen so far in terms of the NBA trade line deadline uh, that's 1 o'clock local time to get a little bit of an update about what's going on at the WM Phoenix Open. One of the things when I flipped on the coverage early this morning that I was very curious to see was the impact of the rain that we've been having and what that would do to the course conditions and also, more importantly, what it would do to the greens. So the green complexes for TPC of Scottsdale are quite large. And so sometimes it might be a little bit misleading for a green in regulation, but you're on the completely wrong quadrant of the green. And the way that there's slopes and the pin placements that if you're in the wrong spot, it makes it really challenging to one, have a legitimate birdie opportunity and two, uh, you know, to, to two putt. So I was curious to see if any of the rain that we experienced was going to soften up some of the conditions and guys would feel a little bit more comfortable taking direct aim at some of these pin positions and taking advantage of the softer conditions. But I was wanting to see how that would be coupled with the fact that it looks like at times it's pretty breezy outside and a little bit gusty here. So if the wind, one, is going to actually dry out the green so it's doing the opposite effect, or two, uh, the wind is preventing guys from taking some of those dead aim approaches. All in all, it did look like a few of the whole locations, it felt like uh, players were more comfortable taking more club and attacking the flagsticks and taking advantage of some of these 
poll locations for this morning. However, it looks like everybody was pretty miserable out there. Lots of beanies, lots of hoodies being worn. I'm sure some hand warmers are in use. Uh, it's certainly going to be a trying day for those out there at the WM Phoenix Open and depending upon what transpires for the rest of the afternoon. Taking a look at the leaderboard right now, Shane Lowry off to a great start. He's four under through 13. Sahith Tagala is four under through 11. And if you remember from yesterday's show, we had touched on the fact that uh, Sahith is one of those guys that has gained strokes most frequently to the tune of 87.50%. He only had a few rounds in here, eight rounds, but we talked about that course equivalency here and course history so far doing well in today's round, four under through 11. S.H. Kim, four under through nine. When it comes to our guys here, Alex Noren, he's at one under par. Uh, uh, excuse me, he just made another birdie. He's two under par through 16 holes, and that's good enough to be in a tie for seventh right now when it comes to the rest of our guys they have yet to tee off justin thomas minwoo lee nick taylor and sam Ryder. so we'll see and continue to monitor how they're playing and how the conditions also unfold uh not sure you know we talk more about this in in the open championships about what side of the draw you're on we'll see if the side of the draw has any implications for this year's wm phoenix open much more college hoops nba aj perez from front office sports around 12 15 today all of that still to come in hour number two which is coming up on the other side of the break